brother? Uh, What's up? This is a hey, big party, man. Yeah, yeah brother, I can dig like, it. Stop. Right on. <laughs> This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. There's far too many of you dying. You know. Welcome back to the program. Joining us on our Mental Mondays for a checkup. From the neck up is our friend Dr. Rick Prey of the website at think14u.org is the one you want to take a peek at. From the neck yeah, up exactly. on Mental Mondays. And this will be, I uh, want to remind people again, a weekly feature at this precise time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so thanks for joining us, uh, Doc. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. But the, uh, I, I, you know, we can start with, I guess we'll start up in Boulder, where we had a really fascinating game. And, and as Sandy pointed out earlier, you had a, a, a good kind of angle on it where you thought there was a very good chance that, at least not a, a puncher's chance at, at worst that CSU would be able to win that game. You're, they, you're more emphatic than that. They probably they probably <laughs> yeah. should have won that no, game. We scoffed at you. I, right, you in did. particular. You remember that? Thanks. Yes, I Thanks remember for scoffing being... at you. Yeah. And, 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 and as is the case most of the time when we disagree, you're right. And uh, Because you see factors. And I want to go back a week. What? made you think now this is before jay norvell said right. anything before all the celebrities and uh, shows that came to boulder not just on saturday either but on friday right and Dion sanders spent probably far more time far more time not just a little more time far more time on tv sets than he did yeah. coaching now admittedly he's a ceo coach and lets his coordinators coach the team certainly during the game anyway but how did you know that this game could be lost by CU. And, I mean, they were down 11 points with well under five minutes to go in the game. Yeah. So I I appreciate you acknowledging that because I did come out last Monday early in the week, and I said that. I said CSU very well could beat them. It's the lack of structure and accountability and discipline that I see in the program. You know, I, I have notes in front of me. I usually don't use notes. I usually speak extemporaneously. But I wrote them down during the game. Of all the accounts, I have a, a list full. You can see it, Sandy. These are occasions where I saw unbelievable lack of discipline on this on the CU team. Um, things like when after a kickoff and there was um, a penalty, like half the team coming out on the sidelines to argue the call. And, and, and you look at the structure of, of the way Dion comports himself. I don't have anything against Dion Sanders as a man, as a coach. But I do have some issues with the lack of structure that he has in his organization because you see so many entertainers, rappers, who it doesn't matter if they're rappers or rock stars, it's entertainers on the sidelines. That's a distraction. I've been a player before, I've been a coach, and I've been a psychologist all in the NFL, and I can tell you that would be very distracting. I, I, I don't know how many TV commercials Dion's on right now. You don't think his players see that? You don't think they know that he is a multifaceted person? He's not just a football coach. Right. You know, let's be honest here. CU has played three pretty average teams, and they're three and zero. Yeah, and I give them that. And and you know, CSU should have won this game. Yes. And, you know, as Joel Klatt said, they were they were out, flat out out coached. They were. And, and you know who else said that on the radio? Who's that? 
the most honest analyst I know of here locally, Gary Barnett, oh, said after the game, CSU deserved to win the game. That was his first point. Second point was in response to his own question, is CU a good team? He said, I have no earthly idea. Yeah. Here's here's the, the issue I'll make overall. It's kind of an umbrella statement, and then we can fill in the gaps. You know, when Dion found out that, that Jay, the head coach in, up in Fort Collins. Norvell. Yeah. Norvell, yeah, said, um, you know, that he, he he takes his glasses off and his hat off yeah. when he when he uh, in, does interviews and press conferences. Um, Dion made that a huge deal in front of his team. He said it's he become personal. And so he is actually encouraging that an environment and a culture of talking smack. And I don't mind talking smack. When I played, I did all the time. I think it's very good for the brain to convince yourself you're going to whoop the guy across the line of scrimmage from you. But not the way that they do it in terms of pregame and during the game. And, you know, I mean, I saw Shador try to poke one of the defensive players in the eye. Like, where, 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 where did I, did I lose 50 years all of a sudden and now this is acceptable? There's so much behavior on that team that I really have an issue with structurally. Now, uh, again, I know people say, well, he's winning. He's 3-0. That's what he is right now. We'll take, let's look at the large sample size of a complete season, where he's at. And then the last thing I'll say, we want to develop young men in college as football players. And I still believe that's possible. You can develop their character. You can develop their belief systems, educate them, help them understand they got to be on time. They got to be accountable as to whatever they do. I just don't see that happening in a climate and culture that's so laden with external external motivation like this. With all, I mean, I saw there's a, a, a throne on the side. Somebody sits in a chair on the side. If they get a turnover or something, I mean, where does this end? Um, I think once once they're once they're three and five or three and six or four and seven, I think there'll it'll be a different dialogue coming up. Well, I I want to play devil's advocate a little bit that there because that's sure. not the only program that has things like that. To be fair, and uh, it, it is the, some of the bigger, more regular contenders, of which CU is not. They're they're dipping their toes, but that's not uncommon. It's certainly not uncommon at the pro level, where you know at any play now at this point since the pandemic, the entire defense will run all the way down to the opposing sideline so they can get in front of the camera. So, so some of this is uh, just sort of a changing culture there. And I think in, in Sanders' case, well, it's not okay to try to go poke somebody in the eye. Uh, there is the human understanding that um, hit the, the player that he went to school with at Jackson State and a close personal friend was the victim of as bad a cheap shot that, that Sandy himself agreed is as bad as he's seen in college football, which ended up with sending him to the hospital. And there's some human nature there trying to stick up for your own guys and letting them know that's not okay either. So I, I get the point. I, I do agree there's something to the distraction of you're bringing, you're bringing The Rock, you're bringing Lil Wayne out, you're bringing all I, – I, I get that. I think there's some distraction. But I think what Sanders is trying to do is split the atom a bit, which is what he's been trying to do since he stepped into to this role. He's trying to make the University of Colorado, which was a one-win program last year, cool. That part has succeeded. It's part of the reason he's gotten the players he's gotten. It's part of the reason the first three games have been on national TV. By the way, the next two, Southern Cal has been on national TV too. The bus first, playing at 10 in the first morning again, five games are going to be on national. Yeah, but that's noon East Coast. Noon East. So five, five, their first five games will be nationally televised. Gotten that squared away. So the idea of 
bringing Colorado back as a name brand for young high school athletes to come join, yes. And the idea that, yeah, Dion's doing a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of things in the fire, makes him a lot of money. Let's not pretend that at any of those regular top 25 schools, a lot of those players aren't going there so they can go to the next level and hopefully make a lot of money. So in that regard, what Sanders is, is doing is building the program first to make it something in demand for recruits. How it affects it on the, on the field, I think, is very different. And obviously, you're right. There is some, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it and say that that's going to work or that won't work. And, and I don't think we know. But at the same time, I think it's important to, to zoom out and take a look at what he's trying to accomplish. And he, he's trying because of the nature of the program he stepped into. He has to accomplish two entirely different fronts simultaneously. You have to be able to make the program relevant again and interesting again and compelling again, but then also make the football team better. And you have to do it at the same time. And so that part, we haven't really seen anybody been able to accomplish that even to this 3-0 and level. And I think they're going to lose their next two games. Uh, but we, we haven't really seen somebody been asked to do this. And it's, it's totally unique. So I don't know if there's a lot of ways we can look at it and say, we know this doesn't work or we know that doesn't work because no one's ever really been asked to do what he's doing that's had success even just to this stage, even if it all falls off a cliff next week. Well, I mean, there's so many things that come out of his mouth that's ignorant, though. You know, as a, as a performance psychologist, I mean, I have my Ph.D., okay? We study how to, mo- how to research and enhance organizations. A college football team is an organization. Sure. Okay, so some of the things that come out of his mouth is just are just so ignorant that I can't even begin to grasp it. Like, what is culture? Who needs culture? What? Why would he say that? Culture is is very important to organizational performance. A couple weeks ago, he said, "You're exactly right." He said, "I don't want to hear about culture." And then he spent the next three minutes talking about culture. Right. That's what I'm saying. He He doesn't doesn't know what culture is, but he practices it as rigorously as any coach in America right right now. But he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And so that's what I'm saying. And, and, you know, in the industry of college football, he's he's not unlike a lot of people. You can go to the top 25 programs, and there's maybe six or seven that really understand organizational performance. So the top teams – you know, in the nation do. But I will say this, there's not enough, you know, you can use Miami but as an example that does some of this stuff with the change sure. and turnover oh, yeah. change. Sure. I get it, but not to this level, not to this level where it's just, it's pregame, it's like chaos. It's it's just, it's it's such a distraction. And again, if if Dion was one and two right now, or if he was 0 oh and three right now, I wonder what kind of discussion we'd be having right now. And, and I'm telling you, we shouldn't be oversimplistic in our analysis to think that the quantitative assessment, just because they're 3-0, and is the measurement of success. There's a much deeper current going on here that really will we, we'll see the, t- the test of time throughout the whole season. And, you know, you talk about uh, uh, enhancing, um, enticing recruits. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of recruits that are turned off by this stuff. There are a some. lot, a lot. No, a lot. You My son plays at Cherry Creek High School, who is the most recruited high school in the state. And sure. get it, Colorado is not even in the top ten in high school football. But there's a lot of kids that are completely turned off by this. And I, you know, as somebody who I will never tell my son where to go to college, but I'll, I'll give him you know hints and tips and things like that. And and you know what, we went up to Wyoming. That's a stable program. 
That's a stable program that has fundamentals, that has a foundation built upon it. They build young men. They build them from an organizational perspective, a football perspective. I, I just think it's a circus up there. I really do. I, I don't, you know, they, even if they won, I still think it's a circus, but they're not going to. You're going to see, you're going to see over time what happens with, with this team. And I just, I just really watch this and I just shake my head. I have, I have so many things. And, and the thing I would say, you know, to you, Sean, is I think he went to see you. Be, yeah. be careful not to think with your heart. I'm not. And think with your brain. My father played at CSU. My daughter goes there now. Okay. I have no but, rivalry whatsoever. Okay. But, Never have. But, but I think a lot of people the do. Air Force Academy. But I, I think, think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people do. If, so. if, I, if I could interject, I'm sitting in section 106 with my daughter on Saturday night. By the middle of the second quarter, the cat calls are coming down. Throughout the section, mostly made up of CU fans. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a little bit of the downside. And at halftime, there were boos ringing out as they left the field. I'm not saying they were booed off the field. I'm talking about my section. And these are front-running fans, obviously. Right. Uh, <laughs> because of the half, they're down by all of seven points, 21 to 14. But people are uh, catcalling the quarterback, mm-hmm. saying if he wasn't the coach's son, he'd be out of the game, which is, of course, ridiculous. But when you professionalize the operation, yeah, which I think he has done, you set that environment with the fans, they'll turn on you yeah, absolutely. And the, he was getting out. The point out you coached. made is good because he it does was, feel like the expectation is pro program now, not college program. It's it's a pro program, and that's the way the fans the, are the fans react just like they react to the Broncos when the Broncos play badly, and you accept it in, in the pros. They're getting paid, yeah. and I guess now, as Chuck Ninus point out, uh, pointed out the other day, uh, the great college football. A figure, uh, maybe the greatest college football figure, I think, on or off the field in the last fifty to seventy-five years in college sports. Yeah. Now it's legal. That was his NIL comment. Yeah. NIL stands for now it's legal. <laughs> now it's legal. Right. And uh, as presented on sixty Minutes last night, Shadur Sanders is driving around a two hundred thousand dollar car. And it's as legal at Wyoming as it is at Colorado. Right. Right. But I. I, I I do take your point about Wyoming, which is a tough out against just about anybody. Yeah. They play. They, yeah. they give everybody trouble. They won a game uh, at the beginning of the season. They down by 17 points, came back and won the game. Yeah. And it, it, against a reputable uh, opponent. Uh, but I, I, I do want to point out, and you can comment on what the value is in this. There is no doubt two NFL writers – in their columns this morning, mm-hmm. NFL writers said the best story in football right now, in sports right now in this country, the best story, not the best team, right. but the best story in sports today is up in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a circus. It seems to be fun. Both teams, I think, got caught up in a lot of the noise leading up to the game. I mean, Colorado did take 17 penalties the other night for 182 yards, and 11 of them were personal foul penalties. And the only thing that got them beat was that they chickened out on defense late in the game and went into a ridiculous prevent that prevented absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And then they chickened out on the two-point conversion 
and that's on Jay Norvell. I have no earthly idea why he didn't go for two. You had to go for two. You couldn't stop CU. You had no chance to win the game. Yeah. And you win or lose the game on one play, you've got the ball. And the, the lack of discipline, the 17 penalties they took. Um, there, was, there was edginess the other night, which hadn't been a part of the first two games, but it's still it's a great story. And two weeks from now, it probably won't be the biggest story in sports, right. and they most likely will be in three, three and two. But isn't there value? in creating uh, some of the zanier aspects aside, an atmosphere up there where people are having fun and they're buying things and they're enjoying themselves. And those stands were filled, almost filled, 30, 45 minutes before the game began. Yeah. The other night for CSU. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I think I think you make a good point, but I also think, you know, on the 60 minutes piece, they asked him who he thought the best coach in college football was and he says does anybody have a mirror? I mean, that kind of stuff, that kind of to me what I call ignorant arrogance is just inexcusable. Is he getting people excited? Yes. Are they selling tickets? Are they having fun? But I don't In fairness, he did go on to say Saban was the best coach. Yeah, but but I but I also think that there's, there's a fundamental way to do this over the long term. It reminds me of intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. Extrinsic that's, motivation. That's the whole conflict, right? Yeah, Short term versus long term. Yeah, the whole th- there is, is no yeah, long term. We can get people excited extrinsically really quick, but, but it, extrinsically, but can we get them excited intrinsically that's going to last over time in a fundamental way that, that you know, you're building not only players but good young men, respectable young men that know how to compete and fight and and do all those things. I mean, the, the starting center out there last night was a true freshman from Cherry Creek High School who's a great human being. And, it, you know, those, those are the kind of young men that I'm talking about. He was, he's not poking anybody in the eye. He's not talking any smack before the game. He may, he may line up to the one technique across from him and say, I'll whip your, you know what? That's the kind of talk of smack I do between me and you and, and down in the war zone, not where everybody hears in the media and everybody sees. That kind of stuff is just not going to last over time. I'm talking about what Deion Sanders lacks is content. Now, if ever the people are, are ignorant enough to not see that, that's their issue. He lacks content. He lacks the basis for what he's talking about. It will not last over time. And we'll see. We'll see. Let's just let's take the big sample and we'll see where, where this goes. We'll find out uh, how that shakes out, of course, over the course of the next couple of weeks and, of course, season and years to come. But you can follow Dr. Rick Prey, of course, at his website, thinkoneforyou.org. That's thinkone of the number four, you.org. I'm having back next Monday, as we will, every Monday at 5 p.m. for our checkup from the neck up on Mental Mondays following football weekends. Thanks so much, Dr. Rick. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Take care. We will be back for more about this. It's also your program, 303-831-1340 is the call and text line. We'll break down more on a very eventful football weekend next on My Life Sports.
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We'll have to talk a little bit about, uh, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, Geno Smith, who unfortunately seems to be wearing a mic around everywhere. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite referee comments ever, if only because it takes the veneer off of what we think's happened. But also, as I said before, this is your show, 303-831-1340 is the number. And, and I, I want to make one correction. This whole wristband, no wristband, and what Pete Carroll said last year, you, you were right, and we went back and looked during the break. But it's also true. Russell Wilson's mind works in mysterious ways. The minute Pete Carroll mentioned Geno Smith taking off, off the, wristband, the wristband, but he had worn it. Yes. And he did take it off. Yes. I can give you the quotes. Then Russell Wilson decided to put a wristband on after responding to Pete Carroll and saying, I won a lot of games. Yeah. Back in, uh, back in November of without, last year. Without a wristband. As the Seahawks were getting a little bit better, they won. Uh, they beat the Arizona Cardinals to get to six and three. Then Pete Carroll took a dig, an, an oblique dig at Russell Wilson, and I right. give you the exact quote. Well, back it was then. November, so this it was, was right yeah, about the time. November tenth, quote: yeah. "If you notice, Gino's going off the wristband, and that's a big help." Carroll yeah. said, "It smoothed things out, sped things up, cleaned things up, and that's right. part of it too. We never did that before. There was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before." Of course, obviously, the previous quarterback was Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Wilson then later that week replied, quote, won a lot of games, didn't know winning or losing mattered whether you wore a wristband. Well, then he changed because he hadn't been wearing one, even though Hackett wanted him to. And then he did. <laughs> so to put the wristband on. Uh, it, it, Russell Wilson's mind does work in mysterious ways, and I'm sure part of that is driving Sean Payton crazy. But Sean Payton had Drew Brees. For every year he coached, save for one, and, and, in New Orleans. And, you know, most coaches would be happy to have half their careers with a quarterback like that. He had virtually his entire career with a quarterback like that, and they obviously mind-melded. Uh, but uh, Russell Wilson was never going to have that kind of relationship with, uh, uh, with Sean Payton, and already the Fishers are showing they're two different people. Wilson, the by the way, who's had some, ways. I mean, if you remember, like you pointed out there, the very next week when they lost to the Titans on November 13th, uh, Wilson wore the wristband, and then uh, he wore it to the press conference as well. Yeah. Because uh, Wilson has sort of remembered that a little bit. He, he does have a little bit of a, um, a clapback mentality when he feels like it. And uh, we saw that with uh, the off-the-court stuff where uh, Future, who uh, ha- had a child with Sierra prior to them, yeah. Sierra and Russell Wilson getting together, uh, running a diss of Russell Wilson, and then Wilson taking a picture with, well, the, that same child that he raises with Sierra out uh, up at Folsom Field when they went and worked out taking a picture with them, talking about how being, being, being a father was. So he does uh, occasionally clap back when pushed to extremes, but it is, it's, it's an odd situation, but it's not a good sign for the Broncos that Wilson and Peyton, uh, and this one to me is kind of interesting because I think thus far, based on what we've seen in the preseason, based on what we've seen in the first two games, if you were to zoom out and I were to say, I would look at it and say, okay, it's not working yet. Coaching and quarterback aren't on the same page. That happens. Okay. But we've we've seen it. Wilson has tried to remain in the pocket. He's tried to remain in the pocket during the, the preseason appearances he had. 
He's tried to remain in the pocket uh, in these couple games when possible. His offensive line makes it very risky to do so. And I thought some of Peyton's comments, as you pointed out, were three different points of basically calling out Russell Wilson losing the, the game in three different ways. Maybe a little unfair. And this was one of my concerns. We talked about it early in the process, even prior to training camp. That when we saw some signs of this already popping off, is that I get it. Uh, Sean Payton's in charge. He's the coach. Russell Wilson's the player at the same time. Uh, Russell Wilson is basically 20 years younger than Sean Payton, and Sean Payton could maybe take a deep breath or two and realize that at least for the short term they need each other. And oh, I, it's a definite generation. You don't, you don't have to necessarily and I know Pete Carroll. slam the door here yeah. immediately. And I, I think... Peyton's, you know, I have two games and I'm already back in the bus over my quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen, it, it does. It's not the best. I, I don't. I think anyone who looks at it and they're saying, "Oh, I'm definitely Team Peyton, Team Wilson," you're being way short sighted in this because there's more than enough blame to go around. For oh yeah, I, I I agree. I know Sean Payton is younger than Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll coaches younger than Sean Payton. Sean yes. Payton coaches. Uh, Sean Payton's late 50s. I mean, he's 25 years older. That's a real generational gap. He's 25 years older than Russell Wilson. Yes, Pete Carroll was a lot older than Russell Wilson. He was old uh, old enough to be his father, if not his grandfather. All right? Pete Carroll coaches young, though. And for a while, Pete Carroll's darling was Russell Wilson. Sure. The guy he would never, ever criticize was Russell Wilson, and he was a defensive-minded head coach who basically stayed away from the offense except to encourage and to collaborate as best he could with Russell Wilson. And when he tried to manage Russell's declining years in Seattle, and by the way, everybody agrees that the decline with Russell Wilson began almost three years ago. Yeah. It, It didn't. All of a sudden, I agree with happened overnight last year. It was a dramatic decline that nobody could have foreseen, but there had been certain elements in his game that were clearly eroding to the point where not only last year, but this year, some of the brightest assistant coaches in the National Football League and head coaches too, look at Denver with Russell Wilson and say, in Denver, outside of Denver, we're going to beat their butts. Washington people were thinking yesterday that they could beat the Broncos by eight points. And guess what? Before the Hail Mary, which was, first of all, completely lucky. And second of all, as badly played by the Redskins. Two guys had a chance to bat the ball down. Down, and they batted it up. Easy chance, and both tipped it. Always tell you, bat it down. Up and back. Bat it down. Up and back. All right. But the margin was eight points, and they were down by 18 at one point. And they still knew they would win the game and probably win it fairly easily. Uh, and frankly, that is more Russell Wilson than than Sean Payton. And there are some who believe that, and actually these people agree with Sean Payton, who clearly when he acquired Jarrett Stidham, indicated if not for Wilson's reputation, he played Stidham. He'd play his guy. Well, the, he'd play his it's guy. It's after two games already. I he think we'll see it not, sooner rather than later. He, he, uh, I think we will, too. 
And there are many, many coaches and observers around the league who follow football who think Russell Wilson can't get it done. And it's a typical profile of an aging quarterback that for a half he's okay. And then in the second half, when he's asked to stop a team that's rallying or rally his own team, can't do it. Can't do it. Want to go over to that, that text line. It's just at 303-831-1340. Danny Bailey's taking a look over those. What have we got? Yeah, we got a couple good ones here from Joe to start things off. So the first one, here's my Monday hot take. This Rocky Mountain showdown will prove to be a turning point for both teams. CU without Travis Hunter will go on to struggle throughout the rest of their season against a powerhouse Pac-12 schedule, including ranked teams Oregon, USC, UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, and Utah. CSU, on the other hand, found an identity and a competent offensive advantage behind the skill of Fowler Nicolosi and will play well against a weaker Mountain West schedule. In other words, CSU will end the year with more wins than CU. I uh, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that as well. Um, but they, there, there are some who believe that CSU shot its wad the other night. Now, you know, I think those are two extreme views, that they shot their wad yeah, they won uh, yeah. three games and because they're 0-2 now. But then there's the view that the texture expressed that they'll win more than CU. CU's going to win six games. That's uh, what and, it feels and, like. And Travis Hunter uh, is, is going to miss uh, – by a few weeks, I'm guessing two to four. I, I, just a guess. They don't say he's out for the year. No. The, uh, and, and listen, they're going to lose uncor- with or without Travis Hunter. Uncorrobor- they're going to lose the next two. Uncorroborated reports have a lacerated liver, which, by the way, is uh, that, that's Worthy scary. of hospitalization. It, it is also, the oddly, the most common uh, abdominal trauma injury that you can experience. And it, it is usually, usually handled uh, exactly as it is, just observation and weight. Uh, and, and, yeah, I think they had a very, very difficult road against Oregon and Southern Cal with or without him. Right. In fact, if you would have asked me, even if the injury had not occurred, or do I think they'll win or lose or split? I said I think they'll probably lose them both, yeah. whether Hunter was 100% healthy or not. Right. Uh, and and then if, you know, Arizona State is a game they may be able to win without him. Without him, as possibly as Stanford will as Stanford. well. So they may be able as to let him Stanford. miss four and they, weeks. And they will also beat Arizona. And at that point, you're talking about five wins, and then you beat Arizona, well, and maybe you steal one somewhere in between, but that's six. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, in terms of stealing, we we kind of discount their chances the next two. Uh, at UCLA, I mean, that's a ranked team, and that's going to be tough. That's yeah. gonna, with or without Travis Hunter, that's going to be tough. Oregon State here is a fascinating game. It is. And if they beat Oregon State, they'll have a winning season. If they don't beat Oregon State, they will beat Arizona, and that'll give them six wins. Winning at Washington State will be tough. Winning at Utah will be even tougher, quite a bit tougher, I would suggest. Utah is one of those teams that actually plays defense now. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of these teams are all offense, including USC. USC doesn't play any defense. So uh, Oregon plays a little bit of defense. Uh, Oregon State is actually a pretty good defensive team. But anyway, uh, I, listen, they're going to go 6-6. Six and six. And I'm looking at CSU. And I assume they'll win at Middle Tennessee. And by the way, they get a ESPN Plus game there. So yes, they're, they're going to be visible to a national audience they, they in some will ways. Win at, uh, they will win at home against Utah Tech. Yes. At Utah State, that's an L. Boise State, that's an L. Mm-hmm. At UNLV, probably an L. 
Air Force in L at Wyoming and L, San Diego State probably in L, yep. Nevada and at Hawaii. They could win a couple of those games. So I'm looking at four wins. I, I think that's about right. Uh, I, I think four is about right. And they play 12, right? So uh, four and eight. Uh, I mean, it's better than last year. They did. If you want a uniformly positive sign for CSU, they found their quarterback. Yet. They did. They found now, their quarterback. He's a freshman, and he made mistakes. But he also made throws that sure. Shador Sanders would have been proud to make. No, he I made. Mean, he, he, he looked good. He looked very good. Uh, he doesn't move around that They well, have good wide receivers. But, Horton is terrific. But their wide receiving core is good. He can run it. He's a competitor. That he's tough. Uh, that came through the other night, and their offensive line seemed to react well to him. Mm-hmm. He yeah, wasn't so. getting snowed under. CU does not have a good pass rush, but I thought the CSU offensive line was generally excellent in the game. I mean, you it had one yard short of five hundred yards in total offense, mm-hmm. and. You know, CU gave up a lot of yards to TCU, but it was about the same. And TCU has a much grander offensive reputation than Colorado State has. So I, I think the truth is somewhere in between. Will they win three or fewer games? No. I think they found some things the other night. Will they win six games, seven games, or eight games if CU goes seven and five? No chance. No chance. Kind of funny when you're looking. I mean, Air Force is the best team both, in the state. Both things in my can't opinion. be true at the same right. time, right? Either Colorado isn't all that good and they were exposed by the Rams. Well, that would mean then the Rams might not be as good as they look that good. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's tricky. Uh, for Interesting, though, for Fallon Nicolosi going for the rest of the year. You talked about Nevada. You talked about Middle Tennessee State. He was offered scholarships by five schools, including Colorado State. Those two, Nevada and Middle Tennessee State, were two of them, Arizona and Arkansas State. Uh, the others, I agree with you. They found they found one. I think and I they think, found their guy. And I they think found they're, their guy they're and he's in a good freshman. shape. He's, yeah, he's a freshman. You're in so the future shape. looks bright at the quarterback position at Colorado State. It does. We will turn our attention back to the uh, the Denver Broncos here and where they go next because this is tricky. The playoff odds are long already, and they do not have a lot of time. In case you weren't paying attention, uh, Miami's good, and the Broncos' defense. Might not be. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar. On Mile High Sports. Well, some of football season's been good. Some of football season's been bad, depending on who you pull for. But anyway, why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book. That's our friends at Superbook Sports. They're the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's, uh, apropos of nothing, um, not one, but uh, two, two games.
games tonight in the NFL. Of course, one started already, the Panthers and uh, the Saints. Panthers, by the way, are up three zip uh, as it That'll stands right now. You can't, you can't <laughs> oh. wait to watch that. Um, then Browns and Actually, Cleveland-Pittsburgh does interest me. I'm intrigued yeah. at that one. I am too. But uh, looking at, at the Broncos situation now, so now already we have cracks between Russell Wilson and yeah. Sean Payton that are evident. And this team is four points away from being 2-0 and and being squarely in the mix, despite the fact even if they were four points better, I'm not sure, Sandy, that they'd be significantly better, but they'd definitely be in much better but, position. But we've been saying this for years about the Broncos, and I know there's the theory that if you win close games one year, you'll lose the next. It'll even out, and you lose close games. As the Broncos did last year, they went 4-9, and nine, so did the Raiders, and you'll win more than your fair share the following year. It'll regress or progress to the mean over time. But the Broncos are a bad team and bad teams find ways to lose, just like good to great teams find ways to win. Yeah. And bad teams find ways to lose. The Broncos find ways to lose. Up 21-3 at home. any other team hitting that Hail Mary with almost any other team, I would have said, well, of course they're going to make the two-point conversion. The Washington defense is dazed. They screwed up the Hail Mary as badly as you could screw it up by two guys tipping yeah. the ball up, just the opposite of what you're told to do, bat it down. They tipped it up, and they tipped it backwards. And it was a routine and catch. And the funny thing is, if both Johnson, guys don't do it, catch. if both t- guys don't if do only it, one of them tries to bat it down, right. it's incomplete. It's incomplete. Both guys had to in sequence pat it both upwards. They're shaken after that. And... They were shaken enough that Jerry Judy was apparently wide open for the two-point conversion, but Russell Wilson didn't see him, forced to throw to Portland Sutton Sutton instead, and maybe Sutton was fouled, maybe he wasn't, but that's a call you're never going to get, just like in the Indy overtime game last year. You weren't going to get a pass interference uh, on that pass to uh, Cortland Sutton again, who in key situations seems to be the only one Russell Wilson ever sees. The Broncos now, Sandy, and and, uh, look, I, I am not placing all this blame squarely on Russell Wilson because there's plenty of blame to go around, the, whether last year and this year, all of it. But the Broncos are 5-14 and 14 since adding True. Russell Wilson. And he is now, what, 4-13 and 13 here, as a starter? Here are the five wins, mind you, and you're right. 4-13 is a starter. They beat Houston 16-9, to nine in, right. in which, remember, that's a game in which the home fans had to count down the play that's clock. That's exactly right. They beat the Niners eleven to ten. The in a only game eleven to ten score in history, in history where Jimmy Garoppolo had to step out of the back of the end zone inexplicably for a safety, for a safety to get it to eleven to ten. Uh, easily the worst game the Niners have played, and I don't know how long. They beat Jacksonville twenty-one to seventeen in the oddball London game, in which those are always who knows what because everything's weird on travel and, and Trevor, time and everything else. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had his he was, last terrible game yeah, at quarterback, right? For the Jacksonville Jaguars. There. Wilson didn't play in the game in they, which they beat the also not good Arizona Cardinals right. 24 to 15. And right. then that they did Brett beat Rippen. the Chargers 31 to 28. In an exhibition game. And, and, and then nothing to either. Jerry team. Rosberg was the head coach. Right. Those Jerry are the Rosberg results right. of the five wins and, uh, in the Russell Wilson era. Outen was calling the plays too, not yeah. Daniel Hack. Right. Didn't prevent Outen from getting fired too, it but he lasted a few more weeks. It is just 
a disaster. Where have you gone, Jerry Rossberg? Uh, I'm proud. You could probably get him back. What's he doing? I don't know. But the there's no room for that in the in the Sean Payton led issue because from here on out, if you think that everyone was blaming everything on Russell Wilson before, wait till now because it's already begun. And here's here's the and part Payton's the one doing it. Yeah, the same guy who said a few months ago that Nathaniel Hackett did one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. His team's zero two, but it's definitely be, not because. But you know what we be, told you be, because he didn't. Uh, handle Russell Wilson right. correctly right. or gave him too much or and we told you this would happen gave him too much that, that, he that as soon freedom. as you heard him say that the thing is it's never it won't, it won't be his fault by the way uh, Hackett was two and one last year here's Russell Wilson's <laughs> stats now I get it mock him if Payton's you will it's going to be 0 and 3 Russell Wilson is 45 for 66 that's a 68.2 percent completion percentage he's thrown for 485 yards an average of 7.3 per five touchdowns one interception I realize that is not top of the league stuff, but it's definitely not well, bottom well, of the listen, league stuff. It's first half Russell Wilson is one of the top five the, quarterbacks the in the league. Is a problem, and second half Russell Wilson is again as he was last year yes. one of the five worst. The consistency is unquestionably a problem, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Russell Wilson's been amazing. He hasn't, but he's also not the only quarterback that's been inconsistent. And not even the only quarterback that's been inconsistent that's lost games. But you look at the the passer rating, which I, I believe is less valuable than a modern rating like QBR, but Russell Wilson is fourth. You look at QBR, Russell Wilson's 11th. And if, if you want to put him and say at the beginning he's been in that yeah, 11 to 16 range, I, I'd probably say, yeah, all right, definitely but, not but any you, better than that. Right. And, and, and you don't need him to play as well as he's played the first halves of these first two games but he he can't play as badly as he's played in the second half i'm not exaggerating he's a top five quarterback in the first, in the first half two games the first two games been. and he is a bottom five quarterback in the second half um and and some of that's on peyton right. too uh, i mean you've got to where was marvin Mims? Be better you've where was jaleel mclaughlin uh and, and russell wilson doesn't get to put him in the game playing, start playing the right people and Sean Payton loves to talk about all these various groupings he uses. But the bottom line is he plays a stiff at tight end, Troutman, 82% of the snaps. There's no reason for that. Jerry Judy was invisible yesterday. After the uh, first play, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. He caught three passes for 25 yards and played 68% well, of the snaps. Kind of- why, why was, if you're going to activate him, activate him. Right. But if you're not going to throw on the ball, why is he out there 68% of the time? Put Brandon Johnson out there 68% right. of the time. Two touchdowns. When he's producing, or Mims, put him out there more. But he touched Because down. he produced. Because he produced. And these guys, all of them, you know, I'm not saying they're all the same as coaches, but Joseph, Fangio, Hackett, and now Peyton. The... They deploy personnel, and their personnel is not great, but they deploy personnel in ways that seem unfathomable. And Peyton, you know, speaks the coaching jargon probably better than Hackett did. Hackett seemed just completely lost. Right. And not very knowledgeable, to be honest. 
Uh, Fangio didn't care a whit about offense. And Vance Joseph was way, way, way in over his head as a head coach, and I believe he's also in over his head as a defensive coordinator, but that's a subject uh, for another day. Uh, you, you just can't have so many overpaid people in your organization. And off the first two games, Peyton doesn't seem to be worth $18 million a year. Joseph looks overpaid. Powers and McGlinchey, the two free agents we've been talking about, vastly overpaid. Sutton's overpaid. Ronald Darby was overpaid. Randy Gregory is overpaid. And you were on that, and I kind of sloughed it off. I said, listen, it's only really a one-year contract uh, or a two-year contract. Which it is. I'm sorry. It, which, it, it is. which it is. And the guaranteed money is, you know, it, it wasn't that big a risk, but you made the entirely correct point, as it turns out, that if the guy doesn't play well or he doesn't play in many games and he played, what, six games last year, five games, six yep, games, something six, like that? Believe, yep. You know, what's the use? You're overpaying. They also overreached, apparently for Judy, obviously for Hamler, who isn't even on the team, Drew Locke off the team, uh, Noah Fant off the team, uh, Moss was practicing last week and wasn't active yesterday, and uh, Garrett Bowles was an overreach. Uh, Ramchuk was out there, and a lot of people like Ramchuk, including one of the Bronco assistant coaches who had a connection with the Wisconsin coaching staff at the time, still didn't take him. Um, it, it, the, the arrogance of this organization and the, the, the bile they sell to these national announcers week after week, and they're not getting the best ones. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Spurrodidis is okay. Uh, Tom McCarthy is the fourth or fifth broadcaster for CBS on play-by-play, I think. They listen, and these guys, they'll, they'll buy anything you're selling. And I, I admit, when it was 21-3, to 3, I just, I, I didn't think Washington coming in late was making any difference. The weather was hot. Uh, the altitude seemed to be getting to them. Uh, Payne and uh, uh, Jonathan Allen were invisible in the first half, mm-hmm. but they found their stride <laughs> in the second they did. half, and the Broncos had no answers. And, you know, I don't particularly like political commentator Jack Del Rio, but he is, in his spare time, a decent defensive coordinator. And Eric Bieniemy, I think off the work he's doing with this young quarterback, most of all. Mm-hmm. And Sam Howell's another young quarterback. We saw the CSU kid this weekend. Yeah. He looks like a keeper. You know what? Sam Howell looks like a keeper for Washington. And Eric Bieniemy won't have to share credit for Sam Howell. Nope. He, he, Sam Howell is Eric Bieniemy's guy. So if Eric Bieniemy is ever going to be a head coach, it'll happen next year after this year. Hey, they're 2-0. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but 2-0 teams – you know, sometimes they're surprise teams. Everybody thought it'd be Chicago in the NFC, and in the AFC it would be Denver, and it turns out to be Washington, uh, maybe even Tampa Bay in the NFC, and um, I don't know in the AFC yet who's exactly coming out of nowhere, but we'll, no guarantee we'll of anything. But if we'll you were see. to ask Broncos fans which one they'd rather be, I guarantee you they wouldn't pick the one they're at. That is the reality for the Broncos, though. We'll continue to break that down over the course of the weekend. Thanks to Dr. Rick Perea joining us as always. 
for the uh, checkup for the neck up on our mental Mondays here. Make sure if you missed that part or any other part of the program to check it out at MyLifeSports.com or the free MyLifeSports app. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes everything work. We'll be back tomorrow right here. But, you know, you'll want to keep it right here. For Santa Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. This is My Life Sports.